This is Paul Wilson. Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. We're rebroadcasting all of our old L5P knowledge episodes now that the L5P is back up and so much hype is built around it. I think like the value of the truck just went up. Like <laughs> The value of a vehicle shouldn't go up because of what custom tuning's capabilities are, but I really feel like there are certain trucks that go up and down in value based off of support. Well, I, I do feel like there's this, this sales guy somewhere who has sold three L5Ps in the last five days, and he's yeah. like, man, I don't know what it is. Yeah. I'm just really good at selling these yeah. Duramaxes. And they just so happen to be all 25-year-old kids. <laughs> <laughs> so the L5P, uh, here, here's what you need to know. Number one, HP tuners can unlock your ECM. At that point, it is permanently unlocked, and the only software that's going to flash it is HP tuner. So dealership's not going to work. Nope. Uh, there's some some discrepancies in the industry right now about VATS, yeah. vehicle anti-theft uh, anti security, uh, whether that'll be able to be turned off when you receive your ECM or whether you'll need a, a dealership tool or a tech two to program that sounds like it's going to get easier for customers, but we'll see how the details yeah. shake out. You know, and, and one of the things, it's a touchy subject right now, but a lot of buzz in, on the internet's cost. Um, yeah, let's you know, hit it, man. Let's just hit it, you know, so... Uh, Unlocked ECM. 2500 bucks. MPVI2 cable, which is the HP tuner cable their suite. you need. It's 300 bucks. Uh, licenses for HP tuners. 500 in credits. So you're, you're $3,300... Without owning a tune. Just to support a calibration. Now... Yep. Tuning costs is speculated that's in the air right now. You know, it is still fresh, but I'm it's gonna, not going to be cheaper than an LML. No, I'm, I'm going to be hated for saying this, but there's going to be some guys that list that listen that are going to understand this reference. The diesel industry as a whole, I think, have been very spoiled with what support and what protocols there are for flashing ECMs. Oh, thus we were far. talking about this. Okay, and go. you know, for me myself, you know, I come from, I came from an import car background into diesels. Been yeah. around diesels for a long time, and a couple of years ago, I decided I wanted to build another car. Stupid. Well, I underestimated the cost, <laughs> but when we're talking about the cost, you know, to tune my 2006. Just the standalone ECU with all the auxiliary inputs that was thirty five hundred dollars just. For the computer and the auxiliary inputs. Yeah, no tune. No tune. And right. then I have a guy that, you know, is local to us that has the same dyno that we have, we have a good relationship with, um, that did all the tuning and whatnot. But what what you're finding what is the tuning is, run, yeah. Uh, well, Adam and me, we we work what closely together. What was the tuning together. retail at? The tuning dyno session like that would be around fifteen hundred bucks. Oh. So yeah, you know, to to tune a twenty thousand dollar car with a twenty thousand dollar motor and everything else and a little four banger at that with all the supporting stuff, you know, you're gonna pay. So when you think about the cost, is the tuning really we're talking a seventy thousand dollar truck, sixty thousand dollar truck. Let me give you some pushback on this, Chris. Okay. Not not that I necessarily want to take this this stance on the topic, but let me just tell you what I think somebody's gonna say. And that's number one. On that car, you're you're buying it to build it, and it's a race car at that point. So right. it's it's a hobbyist it vehicle, right? Very so, much so, so the the guns I have in my gun safe, you could never rationalize the cost right. because they're they're a toy. I mean, guns are not a toy. That's no, not what I'm trying to say. But, I but they're a luxury. It's item. a novelty. It's a novelty. Yep. It's a luxury item. Uh, when I look at tuning, right now. Tuning in the diesel industry has been very purpose driven. So, are we going but to it is see? A novelty. Are we going to see only guys buy tuning who see it as a novelty, who see it as a luxury item? Because I feel like there's a lot of guys right now who they say they they just want the basics. They just want a simple, affordable solution. Yeah. So, are you telling those guys? They're in the wrong market. I'm not going to say that they're in the wrong market, but I'm going to tell them that they should have bought a different truck. Damn. Know what you're getting yourself into ahead of time. And I mean, we're adopting practices that Germany and over Europe, they've been doing this for years already. Yeah. ECU exchange is real big. Go over buy there. Go buy a new fucking Audi TDI. Yeah, or well, Mercedes even, even, TDI. Even my, my X5, it's send an ECM in to get it done. Oh. But, flash only. Yeah. Right. And, and how much is that? Yeah, it was pricey. Right. It was, it was, I want to say you could get it more affordably, but I want to say 750 bucks was, okay. was pretty standard. So, and let's put a value on your SUV of uh, eighteen dollars to $20,000. Sure. Okay. Now we're talking a $60,000 truck, $70,000 truck. Three times the cost. That literally support is just going live. It's going to be expensive. You're yeah. going to have the early adopters. You're going to have the people that are going to wait. You're going to have the people that have the early adopters give feedback to see a value to sell those guys on that. Sure. Um, but yeah, the race car, my car, yeah, it, it's not a daily driven vehicle. It sits in the garage. It gets you know 1,500 miles put on it a year. I don't need it. I wanted it. Right. L5Ps drive off the showroom floor every day. 
guys that are tuning it don't need it. They want it. Ooh. Are there values? Yes, there are values to having a tune. Improved drivability, shift quality, throttle response, horsepower torque output. But the trucks operate just fine stock, just as your LB7 did, your LLY, your LBZ, LMM, so on and so forth. You're seeing that throughout all these RPOs, tuning costs get more expensive. Yeah. And the parts to modify them get more expensive. Yeah, well, I think that's the other thing to put in mind here is we look at the value of what it is to do this. There's also the the cost of not doing it, right? Mm -hmm. So I've had guys ask, do you think it'll pay it for itself in fuel mileage gains? Probably not. No, I mean, let's, let's be, Dele let's be hold real. On. Deleted or intact, I would have that no, same answer. No, I don't think fuel mileage. I, I don't think there's a way for this this upgrade to pay for itself. If that's the modification you're looking for, there's probably other modifications out there we could talk about. I look at it. Granted, this is L5P week, but look at my 15 Cummins. It's got Nobody twins. cares about your Cummins, bro. Right. It's got compounds. It makes good power. It gets good Brag. mileage. It, it makes good. It, it does. It yeah. runs really well. But I, I would liked never. It before you owned it, yeah. <laughs> I would have. You don't invest the money into that because of efficiency. Like it, it is efficiency, but it's not because of mileage. The twin kit was never going to pay it's, for itself. It's drivability. It's right. the ability to tow. It's the ability to get up around the guy in front of you efficient and effectively. Yeah. You know, granted the truck emissions equipped 18, 18 and a half miles of the gallon mixed driving on average, and you're going to see that across the other platforms. We've seen that with the LMLs. We're going to see that with the L5Ps. I. Don't want to leak out too much information, being that you know we see the R and D and we've experienced right, what we've right. already experienced. But you're going to see that as the platforms progress, there there's a lot of value there. Well, you know, I think one of the things to really drive home here is how much guys love the LML. We're obviously very comfortable with the LMLs over yeah. at Duramax Tuner uh, and on Diesel Performance Podcast. We've done a lot of episodes around them. Uh, working with Nick back in the day when he was again the first one to tune in LML, uh, I got to be here for that. Yeah. So it's been pretty cool to see him be first at the leading edge. Equipped LML, remember the eleven. Yeah. Denali to where it was to where we are at now with Jason's LML right. with that twin kit. It's just crazy. It's right. crazy. So so to be able to see these things firsthand has been really cool. Uh, but I know it has had me thinking about what are the differences from an LML to an L5P. There's a lot of guys out there who have been saying that once the L5P was tunable, they were going to go trade their LML in yep. and go get one because now they can get a tune for it and they can do whatever they want. Uh, I thought before we saw a ton of guys go and trade in their LMLs, although I do hope so because I'd love to pick one up for myself. Right. And if we could see the market drop on those, that would benefit me personally. But we're not here to screw over our listeners. We want to help you guys out. We did a great episode with Gail Banks back in the day, uh, L5P and LML comparison. So we want to bring that episode back to you guys for L5P Week here at Diesel Performance Podcast. Uh, go ahead and give it a listen, and we will talk to you again tomorrow. Hi, this is Rich with the Diesel Performance Podcast. This is audio from a video that we've posted on both Facebook and YouTube. I wanted to let you know that because during this episode, they will be referring to specific things, talking about what they look like. So if you're curious, just switch over to Facebook or YouTube and check out the video. Thanks again for listening. We actually just got to see the L5P run at full tilt on the engine dyno. It was so cool to see it make 485 horsepower. Apparently, mm -hmm. one of the first group of guys to actually see this thing run yeah, for that period of time. To see that it power. run and to see the analytics on it, to see how, I mean, it, the thing's not even working. You know, 20, 21 air fuel ratio, right. not even 30 pounds of boost. I mean, not even 800 degrees is temps. Exactly. GM's got 500 horse in this thing, no problem. Easily. Easily. Now that we know we got a lot more on the table, we got to see it run, we got to hear it run, let's go take a look at this thing broken down. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Okay. Hey guys, we're over in the engine room at Banks Engineering. Nick and I are really excited to go through some of the actual hard parts and the differences from the L5P to the LML. Yep. An awesome facility because Gail has it all broken out for us. So I think, gentlemen, we're going to start with the turbochargers. Uh, we have an LML turbocharger and an L5P turbocharger. Gail, right away, I'm not the tech guy, but I can see a few differences right off the bat. Walk me through what we're dealing with here. Well, basically, they're both variable geometry turbochargers. The old one is a Garrett, and the new one is a Borg Warner. This guy's been around a He's long time. He's been around a long time. In various sizes and shapes. And I think it's cool. I'll bring it forward a little yeah. bit and show, because this is... Yeah, so One piece. essentially the uh, control of the geometry here is oil pressure. Yep. The control of the geometry here is motor. 
So this is quicker than that. I would venture to guess maybe less failure prone. Like a, it's, it, it's, it's a pretty it's rugged a piece. Unit. Yeah, it's a rugged. Yeah. 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 Being the Borg Warner guy, it, it's Borg stuff is good. Garrett stuff is good. True. True. What, we, what we've got here is more compressor. This is a, a much higher use of EGR that every year we, we got yeah. more and more. Yep. So both turbochargers are intended for EGR. In other, word, in other words, the trim of the turbine uh, is tighter than you might want to run on a performance turbo. Okay. Garrett guys have enlarged tur tur turbos here. I guess it'll be up to us to come up with something and working with Borg for this. Yeah, or maybe they'll do it on their own. Uh, the turbo, the turbo's farther <laughs> forward on the engine on the L5P, but the up pipes are very similar to everything previous. So this mounts in the valley. The turbocharger has a more conventional four-bolt pattern. They put a couple of pin, pins to align it properly. Turbo does not sit square to the engine, and it's slightly canted right. to make their uh, clearance work. This is the oil air separator, oil fill point that's on the rocker cover. Uh, this is very cool in that boost air drives the oil back into the valve cover. Really? So you get virtually nothing coming out of the breather. Yeah, so people who are running Duramaxes, typically you look at the intercooler hoses and you're seeing those intercooler hoses. Mm -hmm. You're seeing the oil around the discharge of the turbo. Exactly. You're seeing the oil around the intercooler. With this, no more. And consequently, the oil mileage is better. Okay. In other words, you're not losing oil at the same rate okay. and burning it in the engine. They did a couple of iterations of this. This is a, quite yeah. a piece. Centrifugal separation. Uh, beautiful thing, but counting, uh, canting the turbo helps clear all the stuff on, okay. the, on that valve cover. So let's talk about the basics of the turbocharger mm -hmm. for, the, for the guys who are buying, you know, 445 horsepower up from 397. Exactly. Clearly there's a bigger compressor wheel in the thing, yeah. right? Yeah. Um, have you guys measured the turbine? Have okay. we measured the wheel? Yeah, the no, turbine we wheel. haven't. Okay. No, we I haven't. I would assume it's bigger, but that's, that'd be interesting to see yeah, as well. Yeah, I wouldn't. Uh, that's an assumption I'm wondering about just talking about it here. And our development, I mean, you could do a visual. Yeah, it doesn't look much different. <laughs> if anything, this might be a bit bigger. Yeah. Right. I mean, you've, yeah. Got, you've got higher mass flow going into the intake manifold, so you've got a lot more coming out the exhaust side. Yeah. It's interesting, the flange size, too, because on the L5P, they have that big DOC filter, or DOC, sorry, uh, right off the turbocharger. Mm -hmm. You can clearly see the downpipe flanges. Yeah, this is uh, pretty close to five inch. There's a cat right here. Right. So, so they push the turbo forward and put a cat converter right off the turbocharger to get mm -hmm. light off real yep. quick. Yep. Smart move, keeping all the heat in one. Yeah, yeah. Their emissions work is profound on this engine. It's really good. Yeah. And they plan for the future. So as <laughs> we'll find out in the dyno room how far we can go with this turbo. I'm very we'll do that excited. today. Yeah. Uh, so, so well, no, I'm afraid of turbine choke. In other, in other words, you get to a point where the velocity somewhere in the housing or in the wheel goes sonic. In right. other words, it... Right, supersonic. Yeah, and th then pushing with more here might not get you more out of the compressor. Right, so We're going right. to explore that a little bit. Deal. Yeah. yeah, so you're going into turbine choke. You're done, you yeah. know. You can push it further, but you're going to damage the engine. Well, exciting thing I see for the aftermarket, I think, too, is this two-piece setup. You know, a long time in the aftermarket, we've seen these pedestals, oh, right? It's, yeah, it's begging um, for it. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's designed for it. I mm -hmm. think it makes, uh, you know, makes swapping the turbocharger certainly Absolutely. a lot easier. Absolutely. If that's something you know, we're going to get into down the road. I don't know. Man. I say looking, if, like, looking, <laughs> looking at a fully dressed L5P swapping the turbocharger looks like a nightmare. It looks like work, but hey, you know, well, for duty us, calls, it, Paul. <laughs> we look at it differently in that, yeah, we might come up with a stock position setup. We're definitely going to do a different pedestal. Yeah. Uh, because we're not constrained by all the other stuff. 
in your military program you're talking about? Uh, in my street program. Your street Not program. for production pickup truck, okay. 2017, but for any kind of special thing you're building. Okay, to what be clear, non-emissions. Yeah, our program has always been, we've got a commercial off-the-shelf engine. Uh, with the LMM, the LML, and now the L5P, but we never pushed it. Yeah. This engine has got so much going for it, and we've been able to do our own lower crankcase, our own oil pan, our own windage control. So packaging-wise. Right. The engine comes to us with our stuff installed in the factory as a long engine. Yeah. And then we can dress them for marine, we can dress them for your hot rod. Right. You want to put one in a Chevelle? Yeah. You know, I mean, what do you want to do? So depending on what the application, the turbocharger can be adjusted. as well. Yeah. So we're going to be doing versions of the L5P for everything. I like it. I yeah, like awesome. it. Well, we got the, so the turbocharger stuff situated, right? We got air in the motor. You're an airflow guy. Yeah. You love airflow. But we need to light it off with something, too. And there's a big change on the injector Indeed. side for the L5P. Indeed. It's a sea change because GM has gone from Bosch to Denso. And used to be Denso injectors were a lot like Bosch. It was remarkable how close they were. No more. Uh, this is a whole new uh, avenue, and if you take one of these apart, apart uh, we've got a program going to update these, modify them. Okay. But we've already got about 20% more injector flow. Just factory on us. the L5P, you mean? Yeah. Okay. Wow. So yeah. just go from the LML. There, there's more, more flow, flow capability here than there is here. Okay. At this a certain injector a, on time. This is an LMM. We don't, we don't do the... You guys don't have any piezo injectors no, program, no, right? No. Our, our LML engines have a heads machine for the LMM style injector. Okay. Uh, solenoid. So, yeah. Guys in the aftermarket, our, though, or yeah. guys who are modifying their trucks should know the LML has a piezo crystal injector which has a totally different control system. The Denso is now back to solenoid injector style. Right. So we're using right. a, a different control system than the LML used. Essentially, the older technology, the piezo was a big change mm -hmm. uh, for a number of uh, injection events, but now uh, Denso says they can do five or seven or whatever with a exactly. solenoid injector. So here we go. Well, I think it's interesting too, because when we went to the LMLs, we rated those stock injectors for a higher peak power. I don't know if they necessarily were flowing more fuel or if there's just a difference. The aftermarket in took a long time to figure out the, the delay between injection on time and injector open time. Right. There was a big difference on a piezo crystal injector between how long you energize it and how long mm -hmm. it's actually on. And how many times you can open and close it in rate shape. Yeah. yeah. So the I love the signals, totally different. Truthfully, I love the PSL. Yeah. And my EC, ECU is solenoid. That's the, that's the challenge, right? <laughs> yeah. is, is there's no motorsports ECU designed for piezo injector that I well, know of. Bosch might. Uh, you know, their $8,000 or whatever, whatever it costs uh, ECU, I think, has a piezo capability. We'll see. Okay, okay. Yeah. I don't know anybody running it, a piezo <laughs> injector, right? Because anybody in a standalone unit from Bosch is well, running. Huge horsepower, yeah. yeah or, there yep, are guys. There are guys running PSO system with a 3.3 pump. That we have a lot of. Very common. Yeah, the yeah, 3.4 being somewhat unreliable. Right. I'm told. Yeah, CB yeah. 4.2 on those. Um, yeah, a lot of a lot of known I'm failures. 4.2. Yeah, a lot of known failures out there with the CP 4.2. Mm -hmm. We've talked about it on the yeah. podcast before. Yeah. Honestly, there are some things, you can go back and watch some of our previous episodes or listen to some of our previous episodes about running a lift pump and some other things you can do to help those be a little more reliable. But if we're talking about power application, now we've been through the turbo, the injectors, like you said, the mm -hmm. pump is really the heart of it, right? Because if we don't have enough pump, everything else doesn't matter. And if we don't have enough, it's not just not enough, right? It's the pump is the first thing in the system. So right. if the pump fails, you got a lot of expensive parts downstream mm -hmm. and they're all gonna eat that eat that metal, eat, the, eat that carnage. So, you know, the CP4.2 always had a bad name in the aftermarket because when it fails, it's a really expensive day. Yeah, yeah. you might be buying injectors too. Right, exactly, yeah. exactly. So it looks so. like GM took Q on that, um, or, you know, <laughs> well, changed to Denso, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Something different. The whole thing is Denso. Uh, we have a direct relationship with Denso as well as Bosch, so uh, it's good with, with us. Yeah. Basically, Comparing the 
3.3 to the Denso, these things out of the box make about 1,087 cubic mils per rev. What you mean by that is every time it spins over, that's the mm -hmm. fuel quantity that it It's its pumps. maximum. Right. Uh, of that, 20% is re returned to the tank. Okay. These have a, about a 20% return proportion. You can hot rod one of these, poke and stroke, get around 1,500 per rev. Uh, so, but when you get to 1,500, you back out 300 as return, return. and you're at 1,200. Sure, right. Okay, with the Denso, we've got a situation where we're 1,200 going in and about 10% return. Okay. You, just screwing around, it looks like the Denso can go to 15, 1550. Uh, and change in cam, maybe 17, 1750, somewhere in there. So we're talking 15, 16, 1700 horsepower worth of fuel well, with a stroke or you're, you're, Yeah, your, your, your return fuel being only 10%. Yeah. And there's one more secret part of this deal. 2,500 par. I like that. Really? I like that. Yes. This thing will go to 2,500 bar. Okay. So I mean, there's overhead to, to get more horsepower, to meet emissions, to get the finer particulate size yes. that you get with... Higher fuel pressure. With higher fuel pressure, but if you're into power, that's a good thing that Absolutely. as well. So, I mean, that's a, I'm so if you've got a you dynamic range, you, you know, from yeah. idle fuel, to 2,500 bar. You can run a smaller injector, maintain right. good, great drivability. You can go higher fuel pressure under heavy load, and then it, it essentially changes the injector size there, dynamically. There's a rail pressure sensor out there. Uh, same metric thread on the L5P as on the earlier stuff that goes to 2,700 bar. Yeah, we've been using that, Gail. Mm -hmm. We've yeah. been using that. That's so a nice know. piece. Yeah. yeah. And more guys used to just Cap it up, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Turn that so, coat off. Right. Good way to go. Boom. No, but but now that now that we're starting to develop this, this really cutting edge technology mm -hmm. and staying on top of it in the aftermarket world, I think a lot of guys still have no idea what you two are talking about with thirteen hundred, eleven hundred, or seventeen hundred. The higher milliliters the number, the better the no, let's, yeah, let's, exactly. let's yeah. dumb it down. Yeah. So let's, let's, let's it... put this back to horsepower. Okay. Right. Okay. Stock CP3, I know from experience, I can get 600 rear wheel horsepower, pretty average. 25, sure. Right. Well, using one of these stock, we've been over 800 horsepower. Really? Yeah, but we boost the inlet. We, we watch the housing pressure. Okay. And we maintain the housing pressure at the highest possible value by having a variable speed lift pump. So okay. when you supercharge the inlet under boost, as boost goes up, the... the if you will, lift pump pressure goes up. And we, it's something we rigged on the road race program back in 05, uh, the GMC deal that we did. So we've been like 850, somewhere in there, with wow. one of these. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not talking board and stroke. I'm talking about a stock pump. In the, so, <laughs> outside but, of Banks' road race program, <laughs> back in the well, standard. We, we, we do it on the pro stock yeah, truck. Yeah, in the dinosaur uh, aftermarket, yeah. stock right. pump, 625, right. 10 millimeter pump, you could 800 really, horsepower. Exactly. We ought to make the pump in the controller for the aftermarket. So we're talking, this is it, 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 10 a, millimeter a dual pump. pump. A dual pump setup is way more expensive than this boost thing, you know, the lift pump. Right. So anyhow, I'm just throwing that out there. There's, there's two pumps That's on there. That's a different talk, a different conversation. <laughs> yeah, but we're, we're, we're making the Denso, we're bringing it home on the Denso. Well, for I'm the, telling you, the, uh, same with, you can enlarge the Denso injectors. The limit of that, uh, we don't know yet. Uh, but th there's some machined and not tested yet. Sure. Uh, so this thing's got some legs. I think you might be pushing... Now, we haven't run the boost pump, boost, boosting right. lift pump on this one. We've got to know a lot more about this pump before we do that. But from the, it, it, the get-go, this has uh, like a, I think it's around a three atmosphere or three bar like 40 to 45 pound requirement. Oh, so it's got yeah. a lift pump requirement yeah. on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it already requires that. So, and they may be varying the speed of that pump in the truck. Right. That I haven't sure. discerned quite yet. So I think 
this thing's got some legs as a single pump racing as setup. a single pump and able to go up on fuel pressure which exactly means the only other caveat on this the only other thing you got to watch is pump shaft speed you know these kind of go over the edge of the earth at about four thousand right you RPM lose your efficiency pump. on the gear rater in the yeah or in the the pumping the itself. Pumping. Yeah. Supercharging helps flatten that out and extend it sure. the RPM range. Yeah, By that I mean supercharging the lift pump. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of benefits to doing that if you're running it in stock position. Same, I hope the same thing happens here. Yeah. Any ideas so. on horsepower? Like where, where do you think, what, what does your gut tell you? Where do you think this will land on horsepower? Assuming this was six without supercharging the inlet and on it. If I can it. spin it enough, I'm thinking we could hit a thousand horsepower with a single pump. That'd be crazy. But you're talking because in a, a belt-driven application in a... In a huh? I'm talking about something that might be a bandit street machine. Okay. You know, I don't okay. know. Uh, you, you know, it's... Uh, you've got a lot of emissions. Dale's getting aggressive with us here. <laughs> well, yeah. He wants a thousand horse out of the stock. Well, I'm, I'm going to hold you to it, man. <laughs> I'm talking, put in a pre-emissions vehicle. Right, right, of course. Know, right. Yes. And have some fun. Yeah, I uh, get it. Let's take a look at the backside of these things oh, yeah. just, for, just for, uh, for grins here. So they both have three. Yeah, this one, this on one has, uh, you can actually have a vacuum at the fuel inlet with, with this pump less than atmospheric pressure yep. or, or slightly more because it's got its own little gear pump on the right, back. Right. So call, call that a second lift pump. That, that charges the housing and gives it the proper housing pressure. Yeah, well, on an LML you don't have an electric lift pump. This is, this is the lift pump. It sure is. Right. But when we run them on the, on the dyno, there's a range. We keep we put pressure to them. If you're going to do any kind of performance, if you listen to the podcast, you know yeah. the pressure. You guys have <laughs> talked about. I'm sure you've talked about putting electric lift yeah. pumps, yeah. right? So, and an enlarged in tank uh, pickup. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This one doesn't have that. You've got an aggressive pump. You know, that's more like a gasoline fuel injection pump. Okay. You know, port fuel injection yep. pump. Yep. Yeah, so, you're talking 40 to 50 psi. I mean, that's that's what we're talking. Our, about. our lift pumps right. on the fast systems are in the trucks normally. I mean, we don't go over eight to 11 psi, yeah. maybe mm -hmm. on a stock truck. Ten is where they're set. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's the upper limit for that guy. Right. Yeah. You know, you, no, you can't go more. You push the regulator open. Yeah, you lose control of the. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so awesome. I think we've covered it. Yeah, I was going to say. So this covers more slow capability, yeah. more rail pressure capability. Some, some, summarize so, this in one word, right? It's, it's overhead. It's, it's, it's power overhead. We have, we have exactly power overhead. Yeah, there's lots of I'm going to steal your word. Before, <laughs> but I think, I, think, I think what's going to be our limiter is that guy right there. Well, before we dive into mm -hmm. some of the other engine assembly, I want to know what do you think are going to be some of the weak points that we deal with in the aftermarket world? So as guys are starting to buy L5Ps, mm -hmm. they're starting to look at what's my build list going to be. Right now they call me. I have very little information to give them. Yeah. What do you? What is? You, what are you suspecting to be some of the failure points that my stock guys run into? Failure points with the L5P. We haven't found it. Uh, the engine is. Well, let me put it this way: a guy with decades of diesel experience was the chief engineer. Right. A guy with decades of high performance experience was number two in that group. Okay. So they... This whole we got 17 thing, years on the Duramax. Yeah. This point two. Plus, you've got a, a guy that's second man in that design group who's a racer. <laughs> and you'll see it as we go through this stuff. Yeah. yeah. So, I'm just saying, uh, it's a very Buy cool thing feet. to have a racer designing a diesel engine. When Ford did their 6.7, the guy who ran that program, and I, I visited him quite often as they were yeah. developing the engine, and we would talk, and then, and then he'd buy me a bowl of chili. That was the payday. <laughs> he came from Cosworth. Well, Cosworth, what do they do? Yeah. <laughs> Badass racing engine. Right. So you'll see Cosworth elements in a Ford 6.7 V8. It's kind of, a, kind of interesting all, over, all around. Well, let's set up on the, we got the top end of the motor. We got the, we, we've established it. It's well-built. It's got overhead. It's, it's 
it's exciting for the aftermarket. What's not exciting is we still don't have tuning for it, but we'll get there. Say la vie. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of want to move over to the cylinder heads and just round out the top end airflow wise. Oh, sure. Let's do yeah, that. Yeah, let's do that. Absolutely. So we just took it from the top end of the engine with the injectors, the pump, the turbocharger, all the airflow. Right. Right. And if there's one thing I've learned from you talking to you the last three episodes, it's all about maintaining that airflow through the whole system, through you the whole charge air system. No loss. Exactly. Yeah. There's a big change going from the earlier cylinder head to this new cylinder head. It almost makes me see like small block Chevy to LS. Um, <laughs> but I mean, it, I'll draw your attention up to the clamshell here. Made a big change here in the plenum size and the clamshell yeah. design in the cylinder mm -hmm. head. Talk to me about this, Gail. What's, what's, what, are they, what are they shooting for here? Well, essentially, they got rid of, by moving the turbo forward, yep. you had, had to... The relief move. there. Yeah. The turbo's now here where it, the air used to enter. Right. So they moved to this forward position, yep. which I love. I'm going to... Cue a shot use of the base, big hospital. Yeah, right there. well, there's going to be some stuff. <laughs> but basically... Uh, other than that, the cross-section for flow is pretty much, much what it was. On the earlier heads, you know, you, you went in basically in the middle. Or, right here. Yeah. And then you went both directions. These heads have got, if you will, flow inhibitors built into the casting. This, this lightens the cast. Oh, is that what that point is? Well, okay. I guess. I mean, that's the only reason I'd do it. Yeah, okay. Uh, otherwise, I'd leave it as is. And a lot of guys machine a little bell mouth radius around the right. ports to help yep. get the air into them. Yep. Uh, and use the stock clamshells. Very common to use the stock clamshell yeah. in pretty much any performance application up you, to... You see a lot of it, but it really becomes a throttle. Yeah. Any, anything where they... Restriction is high, I call a throttle. It makes sense. There's no butter to fly, it's fixed. So it's choking you. But, yeah. What they've done on the late head, on the L5P, is they've depressed this surface and, and actually taken the mouth of the intake ports deep into here. So you have a big cross section huge. and less port distance to the valve. This is a huge change. From a racing standpoint, uh, guys, guys have done billet heads like this, yep. similar to this, I've seen it. So it's not a new idea by any means, uh, but the performance guy- and coolant. The performance <laughs> guy in that engineering group, I can just feel him here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, did I get rights for that? Yeah. Or who's, who's paying me it's for this? It's very cool. The exhaust ports uh, also flow a lot better, although they, the outlet looks very similar. Okay. Uh, so, and they've moved the bolts up on the top, uh, which, which allows us in the aftermarket to... There's an extra head bolt too, isn't there? Like there's, a, there's actually two extra head two bolts. Extra head bolts. Yeah. And those two extra head bolts are right here in this corner and in this corner, so we'll get you see they are not guys. there and yeah. the material's not there. Right. So it gives you a, a lot nicer port dynamics into these end ports as well, where the, clam, the clamshell here just ends. Right. Well, it's usually you a know, nice you, beat You're actually, you're, <laughs> you know, you come down here and then do that. Yeah. Here, you're already turning. In other words, this is... Yeah, the radius that, is already built into yeah. the head right there. Yeah, and that drops the pressure, kind of helps it into that port. So what we're so, looking for is a really consistent flow to all cylinders and a minimized Cylinder to cylinder flow, far more equal, even though you're Inlet's entering there. Yeah. Yeah. When we dyno an engine, we put a thermocouple at each exhaust port. Okay. And if you, on the dragster, when we look at the dragster, we have an O2 sensor at each exhaust port. Okay. So, so Reason for that, obviously, is to see is the output cylinder to cylinder. We call consistent. it power balance. Okay. If you get your vibration dampener design correct, you, you're taking the twist out of the crankshaft. Okay. You're absorbing it. Yep. Uh, the if you have a power imbalance, you're putting more into 
one throw and less into another, sure. and you're inducing twist again. Yep. Makes sense. So you want perfect cylinder-to-cylinder -cylinder yeah. fuel and air. And of course, you'll never ever get perfection at super high flow like this. Well, it's not, I mean, but diesel head has traditionally been like the peanut port of the industry, oh, know. you know what I mean? I it's know. been embarrassingly when, small flow. When we get on the flow bench, this will be kind of cool. One other thing they've done uh, is the, the, the valve spring it is, is a conical valve spring or beehive style valve spring. Okay. The spring retainer is smaller, lighter. So I like this because inherently it looks like, hey, I can go to higher RPM. Mm -hmm. What you do is springs start vibrating at a certain frequency. Yeah, and this takes that sympathetic frequency and spreads it okay. out. Okay. So the spring, this is, this is like NASCAR. Yeah, talk we're talking right some high-end, high-RPM yeah. high But all stuff I'm, here. All I'm saying this is, this is, this is that racer again. Yeah, yeah. You know, well, you or, tell. or his influence, perhaps. Yeah. So they've done some incredibly sexy stuff. Uh, bolt pattern is similar uh, on the intake side, but not identical. So I think I pointed out all the differences. Uh, in terms of the strength of the cylinder head, I would bet a uh, hundred bucks that this it, on the fire deck is a stronger cylinder head. Okay. The fire deck meaning this surface right here. Uh, because this engine is a much higher firing pressure design. Yeah, we were talking about that. 20% yeah. higher cylinder pressure peak. Nominally, yeah. This is like 180 plus uh, atmospheres or bar. Yeah. Uh, the earlier one, I think, is in the 160s, okay. somewhere in there. It's up considerably, and that's all I've got to say. So much stronger head casket. Cas it, if you're going to go racing, this is a hell of a place to, to start. Yeah. Well, again, it looks like they built, built the overhead into the, into the head flow. Exactly. Exactly. And, I mean, guys in the diesel industry are going to see that in lower EGTs at higher power levels. Um, mm hmm <laughs> just a better run, I mean, a, a stronger as, engine at higher output. As we'll see on the flow bench, th this is way different swirl than this as well. I had, I had some really good discussions with you offline here about the crank and some of the differences. Yeah. And we've talked a little bit about the oil assembly and some of the other internal lower end parts. Walk me through what our, what our guys are looking at here. Okay. What do they get into? Yeah. Okay, overhead again. It's a, a much stronger crankshaft. The earlier crankshafts have a smaller pin, crank pin. And part, part of what makes a crank fragile or strong has to do with the, the overlap of the main bearing diameter and the pin diameter. Okay. So that is the earlier design up through LML. This is, is something we've been doing, which we call a big pin. And we've enlarged the pin. Uh, and it's a stroker, but the, the main journal to rod journal overlap, those two circles. Right. Overlapping each other is part of the power flow through the crankshaft and makes the crankshaft stiffer. Okay. Less flexible. Guys break Duramax crankshafts. There's a lot of reasons for that, and that's another discussion. Right. Uh, but what they've done, this help, helps you maintain them. So the earlier rod, the LMM, LML, uh, is a conventional rod, but, but as you go bigger, the section across, this is a plastic model of a rod we've done, the section across the rod gets so big, if it's a conventional rod like this, that you can't put it through the bore to assemble the engine. Okay. So, you know, a lot of people think, oh, that candid rod is much stronger. Well, <laughs> uh, perhaps you've got a bigger bearing uh, and a smaller bore. You'll see this on a lot of diesels. Right. It's not a new idea. So we designed a rod to go with, with ours, which is this guy, 
Uh, this is a kind of a billet rod. And we designed our own rod bearing. Well, you know, I so, can see one of the immediate differences is just in the actual length of the rod, um, the, the girth right here. Yep. Obviously, we're going to get more durability out of something that has more material. Mm -hmm. What kind of drawbacks do I have to going to a, an aftermarket rod like this? Well, usually we try to make the design as light as possible. Okay. And we could put these on the scale, uh, but the aftermarket rod, of course, uh, there's a, a, one available for a stock crank. Right. You're wasting your money to do the angle cap yeah. with a stock crank. Unless you've stroked it so far, the rod's hitting. We did it for engine durability, where we're really pushing the Duramax design. You know, and I want to push real hard with the super turbo we're doing in our dragster. Also, I need crank durability for, for engines I do for the Navy right. or for marine use. Uh, so that's why we did it. The guys at GM did an even bigger journal. Right. And that's all about, you know, this peaks at 2,800 RPM. Okay. They designed for that. There's a thing called bearing surface speed. If you get too, too high, it doesn't lubricate well. That makes and sense. So for racing, I didn't go that big. I consciously right. kept it to this because I want to turn my racing engine 7,500 RPM normally. <laughs> We're at 6,300 last time out. So anyhow, this is a powdered metallurgy rod. Uh, some guys have some fear of this. I don't have any fear of it at all. Uh, in fact, it's, for all practical purposes, a forging. Right. The thing is an incredibly strong rod. So they've really done the big pin. Yeah. And I think this would be good up to maybe 5,000, 5,500 RPM momentarily. Once we get these out into the aftermarket, yeah. and guys are racing, racing with L5P basis, you're going to see the, these things being buzzed something fierce. You think so? Yeah. These will be the big deal, huh? Well, these guys finally I won't be snapping I think we'll, uh, we'll, somebody will find the maximum bearing speed. <laughs> <laughs> and spin some bearings. Yeah. So as far as the rest of this, talking about lubrication. Yeah. Uh, the oil pumps, um, we knew something was up a no number of years ago. We made a pump with wider gears. Okay. Because I needed more piston cooling nozzle, more piston cooling flow, so we didn't melt the pistons. That makes sense. Yeah. And so we had to, we enlarged the nozzles and uh, removed the, uh, uh, they have a check valve in them. We removed those. That also helps maximum flow. So we made a wider gear pump. They've done the same thing. They've done a wider gear pump, and the, it's, it, with the camera you can't see it, but this is about 20% wider than this. I mean, it's significant. Yeah. I mean, you can, in the naked eye, you can see that yeah, there's a easily difference here. See it. Okay. The housing and, and, the, and the fluid dynamics in the, in the housing have also been changed. Uh, the pressure regulator hangs straight down into the oil sump. Oh, okay. So, you, you know, we're doing, we've done a new lower oil sump, but we had to use their height because that guy is right in the front of the it's engine. It's there. It's mounted. Yeah. Right. The other part that gives me some hope for high RPM out of this is here's the lifter in all the engines up to LML. Right. It weighs about the same as a small block Chevy piston. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a heavy rasco. Let's see that. Yeah. Wow. It is. And here's what they've done on the L5P. Now, well, that's nothing. And here's one of our pro stock racing lifters. So essentially, and they, they, they're rollers and they're guided with this nylon, I assume it's a nylon material, Right, guides the rollers so they don't rotate. This is real, real, real proven GM technology. Yeah, you know the LS engines. I was going to say this has been around for a while yeah. too. Okay, and then this is GM Pro Stock, uh, so racing. But look what we've got here! My God, <laughs> that's RPM. That's more RPM. Now right. they're both solid rollers. There's no, 
uh, hydraulic lifter involved here. So quite a change in oil capacity. We're going to do a, a second external oil pump. Okay. Because we're going to increase the oil, piston cooling once again. Uh, and we're looking at steel pistons, but let me tell you what's going on with the pistons. The pistons have changed in that the, this surf, surface right around the combustion bowl right. is kind of lasered. It, in other words, they make it tougher okay. after the piston is cast, and then they machine the piston. So that gives it more thermal capacity. Sure. So it's not going to crack due to exact, heat at exactly. as low of a temperature. Yeah. Okay. And are this, these, this is the stock L5P piston? It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can see some differences in it. Um, this is the earlier piston. Of course, this is one of my stroker pistons. But, right. Uh, this this looks valve release. But this is based on a, a, a different design entirely. Sure. And higher lift uh, valves. The uh, wrist pin is different. Uh, it has a diamond DLC coating on the wrist pin. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, for production engine. It's got some, you know, the coated piston skirts. Yeah, I mean, uh, these are things we used to do to LB7s when exactly. we were first trying to figure exactly. out how to keep those things and there together. there it all is. Yeah. And of course, they've maintained this cast in, uh, if you will, steel or cast right. iron upper. I, I'm not sure what they're using, but much better. This is our steel piston. Uh, and it's also uh, oil cooled. Okay. But way the hell tougher. <laughs> uh, this is from a design we did years ago with Molly uh, for a marine engine I did for the, for the Navy, a Cummins based 5.9 marine engine. Okay, yeah. I think yeah. we've talked about that in yeah. the podcast before. And we're, this is machined off the Cummins forging. Really? So it's a little heavy for the Duramax, but we're running uh, piston life study with them. Okay. And then, and then we'll do a, a forging that's dedicated. So we've kind of covered the interior, the oiling. Uh, the oil cooler on the engine is 20% bigger, nominally. Right. Uh, oil pump's bigger. So they've covered about everything. More piston cooling, more pump to cover it. Uh, the camshaft is not radically different. Right. Uh, it's different in, in that the lobes are different for the smaller radius roller tappet, but that's about it. Yeah. Water pump also much bigger. Uh, it turns a different speed, much bigger impeller in terms of not diameter, but depth. Right. So a lot more water flow capacity as well. You make more power, you're rejecting more heat. And you got to have more radiator to handle it. Well, I guess that's what's been so, interesting to me is that general concept about the L5P is they've added about 50 horsepower, 40 mm -hmm. horsepower, whatever they're rating them at. But yet, when we add 40 or 50 horsepower to an LML with a Banks tuner, with a Duramax tuner spade, whatever it is, we, yeah. we're not doing all of these oil adjustments and water pump adjustments exactly. and redoing the pistons exactly. and all of these other intricate details. It makes me think that this platform has a lot of capacity to well, go up. Everything's up like 20% except the horsepower. Right. They're okay. only at 445. <laughs> Normally they started at 400. So they're up 10, 11, 12%. Right. Headroom. Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. I'm not, I'm not informed. I'm just guessing. <laughs> 500 horsepower and 1,000 pound feet will be the price of admission in the diesel pickup truck market in a few years. Oh yeah, I mean we're you gotta, rapidly you going gotta there. You gotta go there. Right. The first one that gets, gets in, they're gonna have back bragging rights for about 15 minutes. Well, yeah, exactly. And then everybody and else is kinda you know, Cummins, yeah. last time Cummins got beat out by Duramax, they literally just re-released their truck with a, different, with a different tune on it that gave it the HO, you know, the and high output. Ford did that on the 6.7 when yeah. the Duramax got them. Yeah, exact they, same stuff. They had a higher power, in fact, pickuptrucks.com came here Really? And we dynoed, went to the Ford dealer, loaded the new cow, came back, dynoed. They sent the numbers to Ford. They said, they've got a good dyno because <laughs> it, it matches our numbers. Right. So, so uh, this is fun. 
because this is horsepower wars in pickup trucks, and I love pickup trucks. Oh my God. I just Who would have thought it. when they first put out a 12 valve with 100 horsepower, 190 horsepower, or whatever, that we'd ever get to this point where now we're driving 500 horsepower monsters that look like they have the capacity for what we used to build a motor. Well, with. you look at you look at Cummins. That JI case gave Cummins money to I think they co-developed the 5.9. Okay. For a farm tractor. <laughs> and I think it was more like 130 or 135 horsepower. I, I think you're right. I think the original yeah. was, yeah. And then there's guys using the later, like 6.7 sonar case, even the 5.9 sonar case. Uh, and for our marine engines, we did a CGI cylinder case, uh, which is much stronger, you know, solar block. There's guys way up in the thousands of horsepower oh, yeah. with the Cummins. The real Duke out. And I'm. I'm just so happy that Dan Scheid accepted. Uh, we're gonna race each other. Oh, really? Yeah, and I think that will draw a crowd. Yeah, I'll Duramax be there. Duramax versus Cummins. I'll be there for he, sure. He, his register's a record holder. <sighs> and I wanna go out and have some fun, hang out with Dan, he's a good guy. And whoever, whoever is the cleverest, We'll probably kick the other guy's ass. <laughs> but I think I can get it kind of close. And the, and the real benefit will be the aftermarket and the enthusiasts. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, like, we'll, so, like you said, I think I'll have crowd. to tow to Indianapolis to race him the first time. <laughs> but he's agreed to it. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. It's a few years ago. We've been doing the L5P development for a few years. Right. And now there are military vehicles. Uh, delivered to the Marines with a bank's uh, L5P. The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, PowerStroke, John Deere Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out calibratedpower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email Paul at DuramaxTutor.com or Chris at CEHMK at DuramaxTuner.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you.